0: Here's a story you probably haven't heard about. Has not gotten much, if any, national press. It's just a local story from a small town in Maine. A 26-year-old public school social worker at Great Salt Bay Community School in Damariscotta, Maine, has been secretly grooming a 13-year-old girl into believing that she's a boy without telling her parents. The girl's mother, Amber Levine, only found out about the psychosexual grooming after she discovered a chest binder in her daughter's bedroom a few weeks ago. At which point, according to news reports, the daughter told her that she had received the transgender fetish device from a school staffer named Sam Roy. According to the girl's mother, school employees had started using male pronouns to refer to the 13-year-old girl. And Roy told the young girl, to keep the transition a secret from her parents. As Amber Levine rightly observed, quote, this is the very definition of child predatory sexual grooming. Predators work to gain a victim's trust by driving a wedge between them and their parents. You probably hadn't heard about this story for a couple of reasons. One, the liberal media obviously want to suppress it. We all know that the media say that this sort of thing isn't happening. And then when it's uncovered, they say it's good that it is happening. But the other reason that you probably had not heard about this story, the other reason that this story is not front page news, as most normal people naturally think that it should be, is that the story is becoming commonplace. It just isn't all that newsy because it keeps happening. And it's not just happening in crazy liberal cities like San Francisco and New York. It's happening everywhere. It's happening all over small-town USA. And it is coming to a school near you if it isn't there already. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Majesty, who says, Corrine Jean-Pierre should start spelling her first name as Corrine, C-A-R-E-E-N, since she careens all over the place in her non-answers to every single question. She's the biggest purveyor of non-information to ever hold that position. I love that. Actually made me, made me laugh out loud. I really like that. It is, it is like a Norm Macdonald joke. Yeah, yeah, you hear about this Corrine Jean-Pierre? Yeah, yeah, she should spell her name Corrine Kar- on account of she careens everywhere. <laughs> but it's true. It's, very, it's funny because it's true. we got to protect ourselves from these people who, who don't want to give us correct information. we got to protect ourselves from these people who want to deceive us. we got to protect ourselves from people who want to break into our homes. That's why you got to check out Ring. With Christmas right around the corner, many people will be traveling to see our families and loved ones very, very soon. You may find yourself away from home more often than not. That is why I've decided to team up with Ring. With Ring security products, you can rest easy knowing that your home and family are safe when you're not there. The Ring doorbell notifies you when guests or packages arrive. Ring's indoor cameras let you keep an eye on kids and pets while you are away. Ring alarm will alert you of any motion detection while the house is empty. Plus, if you add smart lighting around your home, you can turn lights on or off while you are away. Ring's home security products do not just help keep your home and family safe. They make perfect gifts for everyone on your list as well. I have not only gotten Ring, I have also given Ring to my friends because I want them to be safe, okay? Head on over to ring.com collections offers to find out how you can live a little less stressed this season with a Ring product that is right for you. That is ring.com collections offers. I have to also, look, I'm a man of my word. I'm nothing if not a man of my word, all right? And I lost a bet to the Crane and Company guys, I guess to all the hosts, actually. And I said I would wear a puka shell necklace if I, I don't even remember really the terms of this bet anymore. But anyway, here's my puka shell necklace. I'm going to look like a, like a really cool surfer girl from the 90s now. That's, that's great. Okay. I actually think it looks kind of nice. Maybe I'll wear it even after this. So it's certainly fitting with the topic because we're talking about gender transitions. This story in Maine is uh, shocking in how not shocking it is because we've heard this story before, but, but then you hear it in all these little schools. This isn't some school in the middle of San Fran or L.A. or New York or Washington, D.C. or something. It's in the middle of nowhere, Maine, and it's happening. It's happening secretly, and it's happening all over the place. It's happening in Indiana. There's just an email that was uncovered. Uh, I I think it was uncovered by the Heritage Foundation, by the Daily Signal. An Indiana school is forcing staff to hide gender transition plans from parents. This is an email. It's dated August 16th, sent by a counselor at Pendleton Heights High School in Pendleton, Indiana, uh, informing teachers that a student had changed genders. Now, of course, this is not possible to change genders. But that's what the counselor said, the boy's going to be a girl or the girl's going to be a boy. In in this case, it's a girl pretending to be a boy, and the counselor affirms this, provides new male pronouns, and says that teachers should not inform the student's parents because they were, quote, not supportive of the decision. Now, that's a very interesting observation because the teacher or the counselor is saying, don't tell the parents what has happened because the parents don't support it. How do you know the parents don't support it if you won't tell them? <laughs> you, you can't. The, the very fact of informing someone or not informing someone should should determine that. But it's not. They're just assuming the family is not supportive of this. And so we're we're just going to do it anyway. Two two really thing, two really big facts here. The school is Sexually grooming this child, and and then the school is saying when there's a disagreement between us, the liberal educators and the parents, the liberal educators win out. Indiana, middle of nowhere, Indiana, middle of nowhere, Maine. This is happening in your town, or it's happening in a town near you. I can almost guarantee it. And do you know who started this entire trend? This is almost out of a movie. One of the main people behind this now national school policy to hide gender transitions of little kids from parents was the bald-headed, lipstick-wearing, stiletto-having, luggage-stealing, nuclear waste official from the Biden administration, Sam Brinton, who, if this were a cartoon, if this were a comic book, which increasingly our country seems to be, this guy would be one of the big supervillains. He looks like it. He acts like it. And this guy was behind the policy that now instructs schools To keep this sexual grooming from parents. Because before Sam Brinton worked in the Biden administration, he worked for a terrible group called the Trevor Project. Now, the Trevor Project seems like it has a really good mission. The Trevor Project, part of its mission, it says, is to prevent LGBT youths from killing themselves. So that's that's a worthwhile endeavor. We don't want LGBT youths or any other youths to kill themselves, and so that's a great thing. But in practice, that's not what the Trevor Project does. In practice, what the Trevor Project does is works overtime to indoctrinate kids into radical LGBT ideology. It works to promote transgenderism for ever younger groups of people. We're talking about major mutilations, uh, disfigurements that will last a whole lifetime that could sterilize kids. All it does is work to do all it works to do, rather, is to double down on this crazy ideology. And so when Brinton was working for the Trevor Project in 2019, he was directing advocacy and government affairs there. He helped create a model uh, for school district policy for suicide prevention. And the model has been adopted, at least partially, by state education departments in Arizona, Idaho, as well as local school districts in California, New Hampshire, Oregon. Other states, including Washington and New Jersey, have similar policies. And and the the model is don't tell parents when their kids start getting into the weird sex stuff. That's the model. And it's hard even to talk about it because they say, well, we're doing this to prevent suicides. And it, it reminds me of every abusive relationship you've ever heard of man, woman, doesn't matter, every abusive relationship, when it gets really, really bad, they say, if you don't do exactly what I want, I'm going to kill myself. And and it's this kind of emotional blackmail and exploitation and manipulation where even the people made of the toughest stuff will very often give in. You say, well, I don't, I don't want that to happen. And what the Trevor Project does here, what Sam Brinton does here is even worse. Is they're saying, if you don't give us exactly what we want, your kid is going to kill himself. And what do we want? We want you to pump your kid full of hormones, put your kid on puberty blockers, eventually chop off your kid's genitals, and pretend that your little son is actually your little daughter, or your little daughter is actually your your little son. And if you don't do that, your kid is going to kill himself. That's what they're saying. Evil, evil stuff. And not true, by the way, not backed up by any evidence whatsoever no evidence that the gender transition and the various mutilations that go along with it actually reduce suicide rates among people who suffer this sexual and gender confusion zero evidence there's a lot of evidence that people come to regret their transitions even though the number of people who have ever gone through these procedures is extraordinarily small it's growing very quickly and so now we're finally starting to see the first round of people who are beginning to regret this and they're coming out and they're saying i've destroyed my body i've ruined my voice i've ruined my hair I'm sterile. How on earth could adults have allowed a 14-year-old to do this sort of thing? We're finally hearing that. The Trevor Project, Sam Brinton, these school districts in Indiana and Maine, all over the country, they say, no, forget about that. Ignore that. If you don't engage in the radical, insane ideology to mutilate and castrate your kids, well, they're just going to kill themselves and you're going to have that blood on your hands. Can you imagine? Why does Sam Brinton care so much about your kids? Why do all these people, they're all the same. They're all, you know there are all these weirdo guidance counselors, like the guy up in Maine, the 26-year-old. I think he's a guy, who knows? He goes by Sam, which I guess is gender ambiguous. But who knows? Well, he, I guess he presents as a guy, so let's call him a guy. Why is he so interested in a 13-year-old girl and psychosexually grooming her? Why is Sam Brinton? I think a large part of the reason why these people are so focused on your kids and driving a wedge between you and your kids and perverting the mind and body of your kids is in, is in large part because they don't have kids themselves. I'm not saying they would abuse their children or sexually abuse their children or anything like that. I'm saying when people have children, they raise their children in the way that they want them to be raised. If you're a Christian family, you're going to raise your kids to be Christian. If you're a Jewish family, you're going to raise your kids to be Jewish. If you're a weird lib, you're going to raise your kids or you're going to at least try to raise your kids to be a weird lib. But these people don't have kids. And so I think they're, I strongly suspect their natural longings to form the next generation are just being projected onto your kids where there is so much less accountability, where they are so much more willing to engage in radical kind of behaviors because they won't have to deal with any of the consequences. Not good stuff. We got to get back to basics. We got to get back to the truth. When you want to do that, you got to check out Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz. Right now, head on over to ascensionpress.com slash Knowles. If you are someone who has always wanted to read and understand the Bible, but you're not sure where to start, you've got to check out the Bible in a Year podcast from Ascension. The Bible in a Year podcast is currently the most popular religion podcast in the United States. Millions of people have listened to it, and twice it's hit the number one spot on Apple Podcasts, which is just such a great white pill. That is, in all this crazy culture, the fact that Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz hit number one twice actually makes you think there's some hope for the culture. Uh, In the podcast, Father Mike Schmitz reads the entire Bible in 365 daily episodes, providing helpful commentary, reflection, and prayer along the way. What better way to start the new year? It is my favorite podcast. It's the only podcast that I reliably listen to in my car. I'm surrounded by podcasts all day, okay? That's the one that I really go to. And if you get a little busy and you miss it, it can become Bible in two years, okay? It's not going anywhere. It is a great, great podcast. You can get it for free on your favorite podcast app or YouTube. If you want to start reading and, more importantly, understanding the Bible this year, go to ascensionpress.com noles to download the reading plan for free. That's ascensionpress.com slash to download the reading plan for free. There's another big consequence of people not having kids beyond the insane transformation of our education system. This might be the saddest story that I have read in a while. And I'm reading stories about these creepy adults mutilating children. So that's it's a, it's a lot to say this might be the saddest story. The toy industry has only one main area of growth in recent years. And that main area of growth is adults. The toy, kids are not (laughs) buying more and more toys. Adults are. They call them kiddults. Buying toys for themselves is the biggest source of growth for the industry. Kiddults have a great fondness for cartoons, Star Wars, and Lego. In recent years, toy makers such as Mattel have created lines just for these consumers. These kids at heart are responsible for one quarter of all toy sales annually. Stop. Stop. I'm preaching to the choir here because I strongly suspect the kind of people who listen to this show are not the kind of adults who issue all of their responsibilities and regress into living, you know, and in, moving into their childhood bedrooms and playing with little toys all day long while their mother makes them cookies and brings them milk. I assume, I, I think I, I have good reason to believe that the people listening to this show tend to be a little more responsible and mature. <laughs> no. So I'm preaching to the choir, but if you know someone, if you know an adult who is buying a lot of toys, tell them to stop Stop it. Cut it out. <laughs> I'm, I go back to this advice all the time on the show. Don Corleone sitting there with Johnny Fontaine shakes him. He says, you can act like a man. What's the matter with you? What is the matter with you? I, I've seen this happen. The reason I know this isn't just made up, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're seeing data from the NPD group. It's being, being uh, reported in other major outlets. But the reason I know it's happening is friends of mine have done this. Friends of mine, they'll get really into Legos or something, or they'll get really into playing with some toy, or even stuffed animals, or even... they And why is that? It's because they're nostalgic... And nostalgia is a temptation. It's a temptation we should resist because nostalgia is history after a few drinks. And those halcyon days were not quite as great as you remember them being. And even if they were, you can't go to the past. And while it is perfectly appropriate for a five-year-old to play with little toys, it is not appropriate for a 25-year-old to play with little toys. Just as it is totally normal for for someone in their mid-20s to spend a lot of time bar hopping. You know, going out every night of the weekend, hitting up a bunch of bars and dance clubs and discotheques. I don't know. I sound like such a boomer. Going down to the old dance hall and playing pool. And But you know that's totally normal for people in their 20s. It's less normal for people in their 50s to be doing that sort of thing. There is a time to every season under heaven, okay? A time for war, a time for peace, a time for playing with little toys, a time for not playing with little toys. And the, the millennial generation, I'm sorry to say, it's my own generation, they don't want to grow up. They're delaying marriage. They're delaying moving out of their parents' house. They're delaying getting jobs. They're delaying having kids. They're delaying everything. They're stuck as overgrown children, and they they really should stop that, okay? It's not cute. It's not you playing with your little toys. It's not cute. McDonald's just came out and, and offered a, a kid's meal for adults, playing on this very problem of perpetual adolescence among people who are way too old for that now. Okay? Stop it. You, the thing is, when when you're an adult, you're bogged down and you know, you've got maybe tough relationships and you got your job that you're slogging through. And so yes, you do need a, an outlet for recreation and leisure. That's true. Now, one hopes that you can cultivate Interests that are more appropriate to your age group. So I buy plenty of toys, right? I, I, but the toys that I buy are little musical instruments. So yeah, they're things little kids can play with. But it's not—I'm not—you know—I'm not buying like little plush Star Wars figures or something like that. Okay, it's—that's. I, I buy plenty of. To- I buy cigars. That's a toy for adults. <laughs> I, I buy whiskey. That's a toy for adults. Okay, that I, I'm not saying you can't have your fun activities. And by the way, sometimes you—you you do. You have this drive of nostalgia and you you want to play with a little toy. you want to get down and play with a train set or something like that. You can do that as an adult with your children. okay? It's fun to play with your children. even me, I'm pretty stodgy. It's I like getting down on the ground and playing with the little blocks or whatever with my kids. and that is that is the properly ordered way to channel that natural nostalgic yearning for the innocence and joys of youth. But if you take the kid out of that, and if it's just you, you know, a, a 30-something sitting there in your gym jams playing with a train track, that is sad. Don't do that. Okay, goodness gracious. It's like something that the libs always do, which is they want the image of the thing. They want the facade of the thing, but they don't want the essence of the thing. I'm speaking a little abstractly, so I'll, I'll drive it home. Libs are the kind of people who love decaf coffee, Okay, libs are the kind of people who love transvestitism. <laughs> they love the, the sort of exterior uh, uh, outward symptoms of a thing, but they don't want the, the essence of it. And so it's yes, it's fun to play around when you're an adult. But the essence of playing around when you're an adult is doing it with your child, to entertain your child, to form a close relationship, and to educate that child. When you're just doing it for yourself, it's just sad. And the the late, late stage capitalists <laughs> are profiting off of you and encouraging you to do it. Because the thing is, I, I don't mean to harp too much on the selfishness of my millennial cohort because there are a lot of social factors that are pushing this. I even intentionally use this language of the commies when they're always whining about late-stage capitalism because that is a little bit of a problem too. It's not just the big government that is pushing people to into these culturally degrading behaviors. It's also private industry. It's also entertainment. It's also social media. It's all of that is working right now. There was a piece just in NBC. Well, actually, the piece appeared five years ago. It just is circulating again because it was referenced in a Washington Post column that also has been circulating very recently, which is that science proves kids are bad for the earth. Morality suggests we stop having them. We need to stop having kids because it's, it's bad for the environment, it has ethical consequences. This is written by someone who pretends to be a bioethicist, someone named Travis Reeder. And what what does he say? He says, several years ago, the scientists showed that having a child, especially for the world's wealthy, is one of the worst things you can do for the environment. That that statement is essentially a meaningless statement, by the way. But he says, says scientists prove it. So if they're scientists, they have lab codes. So obviously it's true. Having a child imposes high emissions on the world, while the parents get the benefit. So like with any high cost luxury, we should limit our indulgence of children. Then he goes, this is an amazing analogy. He says, if I release a murderer from prison knowing full well that he intends to kill innocent people, then I bear some responsibility for those deaths, even though the killer is also fully responsible. My having released him doesn't make him less responsible. He did it, but his doing it doesn't eliminate my responsibility either. Some Something similar is true, I think, when it comes to having children. Once my daughter is an autonomous agent, she'll be responsible for her emissions, but that doesn't negate any responsibility. Moral responsibility simply isn't mathematical. Okay, so he's comparing having Kids with murdering people. And this is a telling analogy because this is what all these guys think. They think that human beings are a disease, and that's why they encourage us to not have kids. And you're having the government encourage you to not have kids, and you're having the non government, non profit organizations encouraging you to not have kids, and you're having the for profit corporations encouraging you to not have kids. You're getting taxpayer subsidized abortion and contraception. You are getting NGOs going all around the world and in our own country. Pushing abortion, pushing contraception, pushing family planning and Planned Parenthood. But you're getting the corporations doing it, too. Corporations paying for people to get abortions. Why? Because it's not just the evil big government, and it's not just the awful, terrible activists who are professional agitators. It's, it's the capitalists, too. Recognize that, you know, if those moms are staying home raising their families, that's not going to be great for, way- that's going to raise wages, that's going to raise the cost of labor that if the women do happen to work you're going to have to give them maternity leave that's going to be very very expensive it'd be a lot cheaper just to convince the mother to not have children in the first place to not get married so you don't even have the possibility of of children you know a man and a woman in a perpetual union for the good good of the spouses and the sake of the generation and education of children or if they do get pregnant just encourage that woman to to kill her baby there are there are incentives at every stage of the government to do this sort of thing. And what I I feel so sorry for so many of my millennial friends and and, uh, cohort and people who are younger as well, because they're being duped. They're being tricked into this by so many of the lies of our culture. I was just talking about this with my cousin yesterday. I got to see my cousin and he said, man, you know, it's, it's, it's only in recent years I've really been thinking about it. And I realized going out all the time is not totally fulfilling, but But that's what the culture is telling us to do. Go out. Don't get married. Dump your girlfriend. Dump your boyfriend. Move to the city. Have casual sex all the time. Don't have any attachments. Don't have any kids. It's selfish. It's bad for the environment. It's bad for the company. It's bad for the country. It's bad for the entitlements. It's bad for the blah, 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 blah. It's always the same thing. And, And it goes right back to the first lie in the Garden of Eden, okay? It goes right back to the Prince of Lies himself. And it's the marker of the devil. I'm not speaking hyperbolically here. When you have movements that hate people, that want fewer people, that want to kill people, that want to limit the number of people, that don't want people to be born in the first place, that is the marker of the devil, and you should be aware, and you should not be duped. Speaking of our crazy, chaotic culture right now, if you want to protect some of your assets when the stock market's going all over the place, you should go check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. 98, 98. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterm elections lead to more reckless spending by an emboldened administration, higher taxes, deeper inflation? All of the above, probably. If you are not sure how the next two years will unfold, or even worse, if you are sure how the next two years will unfold, talk to Birch Gold Group. About protecting your savings with gold. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert your IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals so you can own gold and silver in a tax sheltered account. Gold is the world's oldest, most proven form of currency. When inflation soars and all other assets go sideways, gold is still there. This month, You can get a free gold back with every $5,000 purchase. I love these gold backs. They're extremely cool. When you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA with Birch Gold, by December 22nd. That's coming up. Just text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 989898. Birch Gold will help you own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. Text Knowles to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. Then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. With every purchase you make before December 22nd, you will get a free gold back. Great stocking stuffer just in time for Christmas. Text Knowles, LES, to 989898 and protect yourself with gold today. Another big consequence of depopulation or of stagnant populations where the population is not growing, actually in the United States, we have a dying population. One of the consequences is mass migration, which the government loves and which private industry loves. The big government liberal Democrats, they love mass migration. Is mass migration, they believe, and I think they have good reason to believe, gives them a permanent electoral advantage because immigrants, the kind of immigrants that the democrats are importing right now from latin america with few co- exceptions, the cubans would maybe be an exception, but with few exceptions, they they vote democrat, their kids vote democrat, their grandkids vote democrat. There's a big movement of a lot of them over to the republicans right now, but it still favors the dems. So that's why the government likes it. Private industry, which has more representation for conservatives and republicans, they also love mass migration. The reason they love mass migration is because it provides a cheap workforce. And it keeps wages low and allows businesses to increase their profit margins. So you've got this this, uh, effort right now from both sides of the political aisle in the United States to encourage Americans not to have more children and to import in order to keep up the entitlement state, in order to keep industry going. You then import cheaper workers from the third world, and that's what's happening. According to Customs and Border Protection, uh, tens of thousands of migrants are headed to the U.S. border right now. This happens every so often, where you'll see some huge migrant caravan working its way up through Latin America. These events shouldn't be all that shocking in that we have 2 million illegal aliens come every single year. We have thousands of thousands of people every single day cross our border. But when you see these incidents where it's 30,000, 40,000, CBP agents are now predicting more than 40,000 migrants in southern Mexico, who will soon be at the U.S. border. When you see that, it's shocking because you you can at least look at the pictures. But you're getting a tenth of that every day in the United States. So it's not, it, it, it's only shocking in that it allows us to see what is persistently happening in the country. What is this? This is not just politics. This is not just an issue, okay, where you talk about abortion as an issue. Very serious issue, but it's an issue. Taxes, that's an issue. The, the war in Iraq. Are we still fighting that one? I don't know. I think we wrapped that one up. The war in Ukraine, the war wherever, that's an issue. Immigration, this kind of mass migration, is not a regular political issue. It is a meta-political issue. It's the politics of politics. It's the politics of how the Democrats are going to win at politics. Because by flooding the country with illegal aliens, and with legal immigrants too, legal immigrants also overwhelmingly vote for Democrats. So you've got 2 million illegal immigrants, 1 million legal immigrants coming in every single year. This represents the largest movement of human beings in recorded history. And that's into the United States over the past 60 years. You were seeing the Democrats transform the demography of the country to favor them. That's why they're doing it. It's not because they have any particular love for Guatemalan peasants. Okay, they don't. But they, they do have love for winning elections. And so you're seeing this meta-political change, and the Republicans largely failed to address it. There's one exception here, and this is some good news. The Supreme Court, led by Chief Justice Roberts, who is usually a big squish, has just temporarily halted the entrance of this migrant caravan into the United States. And the way he did it was by granting an 11th hour request by more than a dozen GOP-controlled states to temporarily pause a lower court ruling that had ordered the end of a COVID era protection known as Title 42. So all a very complicated political issue. Title 42 was was used by the Trump administration. It's a public health law to allow US border officials to expel illegal aliens, even if the illegal aliens want to apply for political asylum. And usually they're not really political asylum cases. Usually they're just economic migrants looking to make some money, but many will pretend to be seeking political asylum. And this then triggers a process where it's much more difficult to expel them from the country. Well, Title 42 says, look, we're in a pandemic. COVID, you all know COVID is so dangerous. It's the most dangerous virus we've ever seen in the whole wide world. And so because of that, we're now going to use this public health law To expel the illegal aliens. Talk about making lemonade out of lemons. Talk about a silver lining in a storm cloud. So, Trump used this mechanism very wisely. That was a very, very smart move by Trump. Biden's been trying to undo it, but it's not so easy as just undoing it and snapping your fingers. You have to take this through the courts. And the Supreme Court has just said, no, we're going to leave it in place for now. And so the Democrats are stymied in their plans to flood the country with the illegal aliens. What we should learn from the use of Title 42, and from this great, at least temporary decision from the Supreme Court, is one, elections really do matter. We we sometimes get depressed and we say, the elections don't matter, they rig the votes, they don't, but elections really do matter. Roe v. Wade was determined by elections. The ending of Roe v. Wade was determined by Republicans just barely eking through their president, getting their judges on the court just in the right amount of time, and then this court making important decisions. Even Roberts, who is who is a squishy judge, having him on the court just gave us the the halting of this migrant caravan at the border. But the the more important lesson I think to learn is: conservatives should use Democrat ops and hoaxes, and (laughs) political dirty tricks against them. The Democrats are always going to be playing their dirty tricks. The Democrats are always going to say, oh, there's a virus from China. We need to shut down all the churches, shut down the businesses. We need to to transfer wealth from small businesses to large corporations that are in our pockets or in whose pockets we are. Sometimes it gets a little bit blurry. And we need to to do all that. We need to force you to take this shot we need to change education. We need to change everything. We need a great reset. <laughs> we're going to do every single thing that we wanted to do for 100 years. Yeah, all because of the virus, right? Total dirty trick. Total, totally, total political operation. But like any good chess player, like any good any good athlete, when you when you see your light, you got to take it. And so Trump saw the light on that, and he said, "Okay, we've got this terrible virus, and you're going to say say it's the worst thing ever." Okay, good. Then we're going to we're going to have to use Title 42 because if it's so terrible, if it's such a terrible virus, then we can't let these tens of thousands of migrants come in, right? And then we're going to say, wait, 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 well, no, I don't know about that. I say, hold on, what are you talking about? You're telling me that an adult American, totally healthy, at no risk whatsoever really from this virus, is not allowed to go shopping if he doesn't have three booster shots of the experimental drug, but, but a Nicaraguan peasant coming through with no inoculation whatsoever. He can just come right into the country waltzing in and it's no big deal. What are you talking about? I have to get a COVID test every time I want to walk into a hospital to see a sick relative. I'm, usually I'm not even allowed into those hospitals. We're not allowed to bury our own dead. This is so dangerous. We have to quarantine. But you're telling me that, that uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of of Latin American migrants can just walk right on through no big deal. We're not even going to take the temperature. Come on, that's ridiculous. Well, uh, uh, they got us there. And we've used that and we we have been able to stop some illegal immigration. Now it's not enough, but it, it's just a reminder for those conservatives who say, "Well, if we if we ever do the sorts of things that the libs do, the Libs use these mechanisms and they use it for injustice and immorality and to make our country worse. If we ever use these kinds of legal and political mechanisms to make our country better, well, that would make us no different from the liberals. No, it would, it would make you very different because good and bad are opposites. They're different and they're opposites. Making the country better and making the country worse are not the same thing. Well, in both cases, you're using the power of the state and you're, you're uh, using one of these laws and, and you're having the judges come in and yeah, right. That's called politics. It's called politics. And it's good to use politics for good things. And it's bad to use politics for bad things. And it's not hypocritical when you do good things and you don't want to do bad things, okay? It's not, not hypocritical at all. This was the topic of my speech yesterday at America Fest, an amazing, amazing event, as always. Nobody throws a, a show and a party and a political event like Charlie Kirk and TPUSA. Nobody does it. It's just amazing. There were, I think, 12 1,000 attendees at America Fest in Phoenix yesterday, just in the one big room. I think there were something like 8,000 chairs, and there were so many other events simultaneously happening. It was just amazing. You can catch my speech on the TPUSA YouTube page. But it really gives you hope. It gives you, hope. you think, okay, these, these are pretty clever, fired up people. Maybe there's a way to break the Democrat, the liberal hegemony. I'll give you a great example of a liberal, ridiculous op. The January 6th committee is now referring Donald Trump to the Department of Justice for criminal insurrection charges. Now, this is a committee made up only of Democrats, nominal Democrats, and de facto Democrats. Uh, They're urging the DOJ to consider charging Trump with inciting or aiding an insurrection. Democrat Rep. Jamie Raskin, announced this referral. He described it as, quote, a grave federal offense anchored in the Constitution itself. And then he noted this was automatic grounds for disqualifying some from holding state or federal office. These people, they don't give up. They don't give up. They don't. 2015, I say Donald Trump, he can't run for office. He slept with models and porn stars. You know that thing that we've all known about him for decades? You know the thing that um, a a pretty prominent recent Democrat president uh, did very publicly and scandalously? Yeah, uh, Trump, he's disqualified. And then what? He colluded with the Russians, so he's disqualified. And then he colluded with the Ukrainians, even though the Ukrainians hate the Russians. Russians, Anyway, he colluded with both somehow, and he's disqualified. And he's an insurrectionist. And even though no one involved in the Capitol Hill riot, Uh, has been charged with insurrection at all because it's just ridiculous. Uh, He he can't run now. And he's a total loser and everyone hates him and there's no way he could ever win. And that's why we have to do everything we can to prevent him from appearing on the ballot. Hmm? That doesn't quite add up to me. What should the GOP take from this? Well, the GOP can mock it. I think it's good to mock the the January 6th commission. It's very funny to mock that and it's good to do that. Uh, the, The GOP can ignore it. Okay, that's fine. The GOP can get angry about it. I don't, I don't know why. I, I wouldn't get angry. It's such a joke. I mean, DOJ is probably going to pick it up. They're, they're, they've been all going after Trump for seven years now. But w- whatever. You know. I mean, it's just, uh, these aren't serious people. They, they don't have principles. They're, so there's no use getting riled up about that. What I think the GOP should do is use these kinds of operations against the Democrats. I think I would humbly propose, especially as the GOP is about to take control of the House of Representatives, saw some of my Republican congressman friends yesterday at TPUSA, I would recommend, as the GOP is thinking about uh, investigating Hunter Biden, okay, that's fine, or the GOP is talking about investigating Dr. Fauci, yeah, I think that's good. I think we should investigate Dr. Fauci. I think the GOP should investigate and potentially prosecute Democrat politicians for incitement against the GOP, for even potentially insurrection. I think they should should do exactly to the Democrats what the Democrats are trying to do to Republicans. The the Republicans have far better grounds to do it to the Democrats. Democrats like Maxine Waters have incited violence, have explicitly called for violence, pushing back on people in public, going to Republican politicians' homes against the GOP, against the conservatives. Chuck Schumer said, we're coming for you, Neil Gorsuch. We're coming for you, Brett Kavanaugh. And then what happened? A liberal takes a bus from California to Washington, D.C. and tries to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. Drag Chuck Schumer before that committee. Drag Maxine Waters before that committee. Drag all these Democrats. Drag Kamala Harris, who bailed out the rioters during BLM. Drag the Biden administration staffers who bailed out the rioters, the violent people during BLM who encouraged the BLM rights, drag them, accuse them of incitement to violence, accuse them of insurrection, accuse them of all the same stuff that they're accusing us of. Make Look, I think there's a much stronger case that we have to make against the Democrats on these grounds. But even if not, even if it's all just a big joke, then make a bigger mockery of this than the Democrats did. Just shove it in their face. Or what are we going to do? We're going to roll over. We're going to investigate Hunter Biden. We're going to find all all sorts of perverted things on the laptop. None of it's going to stick. Joe Biden is not going to be held to account for anything, and then we're going to lose the House at some point, and then nothing happened. No. Fight back against this nonsense. Show them that you are not going to take this lying down. We are just days away from Christmas, and you cannot hide from the truth any longer. You still don't have gifts for everyone on your list. I know it. That's true of me, too. Okay, we all know it. Jeremy's Razors is here to help. Jeremy's e-gift cards the perfect present for all of those woke, free folks that you narrowly neglected. They are 100% guaranteed to arrive in time for Christmas. That's right. Not even Joe Biden's supply chain can prevent your friends and family from unwrapping a great gift on the big day. And whether they opt for the Precision 5 razor with flip-back trimmer, tea tree oil, and argon oil shampoo and conditioner, or even the luxurious beard kit, you and your gift card recipients can take extra merriment knowing you have helped make woke razor companies that hate you even poorer. Bring a gift, not an excuse. Go to dailywire.com noles to pick up your Jeremy's Razor's e-gift cards and put the finishing touches on your Christmas shopping. What matters in politics is winning. We want to win in a just, moral, legal way but assuming all of those things, we have to win. We don't want to lose. We don't want to lose with dignity, as some of the squishes often want us to do. There isn't usually very much dignity in losing with dignity. You see this principle articulated by Donald Trump, and we now know this because Hope Hicks was giving testimony to the January 6th commission, and Hope Hicks explained her disagreements with and the advice that she gave to and the response she heard from President Trump after the election. The select committee has obtained testimony from new witnesses who've come forward to tell us about their conversations with ex-President Trump on this topic. Here is one of his senior advisors, Hope Hicks. Seeing evidence of fraud on a scale that would have impacted the outcome of the election, and I was becoming increasingly concerned that we were damaging, um, we were damaging his legacy. Uh, What did the president say in response to what you just described? He said something along the lines of, um, you know, nobody will care about my legacy if, I lose. Um, so that won't matter. Um, the only thing that matters is, is winning. Putting any particulars aside about Trump's behavior after the 2020 election, I know some people think he fought like hell and that was a great thing. And some people say, no, he didn't present proper evidence of fraud. And so what he did was irresponsible and it it hurt his chances of running again. Okay, whatever. That's not what I'm talking about right now. We can have those disagreements. The principle that Trump is articulating here, according to Hope Hicks, who is a very trusted advisor of his, is correct. What matters in politics, assuming we're all operating within the bounds of justice and legality and morality, what matters is winning. This is a principle that was articulated best, I think, by Cocaine Mitch. Who, love him or hate him, the man knows a lot about winning. The man is very, very good at wielding political power. And Cocaine Mitch said, in response to one of his opponents, you got Pablo Escobar Mitch over here versus the DEA of his re- opponents. And he said, the, the winners go to Washington and make laws, and the losers go home. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> To my little friend. And that's what he said. And the last part, I assume that's what he was thinking. He's right about that. The winners make laws, the losers go home. Nobody is going to give Trump a pat on the head and say, well, he, look, we called him Hitler for four years, well, like five or six years, actually. And we fought him every step of the way, and we impeached him twice, and we just hate him so much. Uh, but he, he had a great legacy one-termers don't get great legacies. Even if the liberal media pretend to like them a little bit as a way to attack whoever the presently dangerous Republican is, in the long run, one-termers don't really get great legacies. Okay, What matters is winning and doing and succeeding. Trump was totally right. Did it matter in the end? I don't know. It remains to be seen because he's running again in 2024. Now, speaking of Trump's chances at winning in 2024, new poll out from USA Today and Suffolk U showing that Ron DeSantis, Trump's chief GOP rival right now, is currently leading Joe Biden in a nationwide head-to-head poll. DeSantis leads with 47% support, followed by Biden with 43% support. According to the poll, 65% of Republicans and GOP-leaning voters want DeSantis to run for president. Trump does not perform as well against Biden in this particular survey. Biden is leading Trump by seven points, 47 to 40. And the survey shows Republicans prefer DeSantis over Trump by 23%. This is good news for DeSantis. This is bad news for Trump. But it doesn't quite tell you what it seems to be telling you. Because the the assumptions in the poll are unrealistic. We're talking about here a nationwide head-to-head poll. But the election does not take place nationwide. Nationwide. The election takes place in a handful of states, in a handful of counties. And what really separates the election is not millions of votes or dozens or even a hundred electoral votes, though it, those numbers might look that way in the end. What actually determines the winner is usually, and especially in recent years, 20,000 votes in this state, 40,000 votes in this state, 30,000 votes. I mean, it could be 60, 70,000 votes to determine the entire election. It doesn't really matter how many people in California or New York like one candidate over the other. They're popular states, but it it doesn't really matter. What matters is what people in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, what matters is who they vote for. And what matters is who counts the votes, especially if we're talking about Maricopa County in Arizona, we're talking about Philadelphia, or we're talking about Atlanta in in Georgia, that's what's going to determine it. Okay, and so this is all great news for for DeSantis. DeSantis' world should be celebrating over this. Trump should be genuinely scared about it. But it doesn't totally mean. Also, we don't know if if Biden will be the Democrat nominee. He says he's going to be, but Democrats don't seem all that eager for it. He'll be 80 years old. Does anybody really believe? Or he maybe I think he he might already be 80. I think he was 78 when he took office, so he'll be 82 for his second term. That seems that seems pretty old to be doing that job. And we don't know what the GOP primary process looks like. Trump has had everything thrown at him. Ron DeSantis has had a lot thrown at him too, but still not at the national level. And then there are other candidates who could emerge as well. Going to be quite a fight. Speaking of voting, before we go, really a great story out of Twitter. I haven't covered Twitter. There's all, every day there's new Twitter news, but at a certain point you think, okay, all right, Twitter, they'll sort it out. It's a social media site. We all spend too much time on it anyway. Elon Musk has just uh, announced that in the future, as he makes policy by Twitter poll, by popular vote, as Elon Musk has been doing recently, he is going to limit the people who can vote to people who actually subscribe to Twitter Blue. That's the paid service On Twitter, you pay a few bucks a month, maybe it's eight bucks a month now, and you uh, will get certain perks, and then you'll get to vote and have a stake in this. This is a great move. Well, it's a great move for Twitter, but it's also something that we can learn from. It's a civics lesson for all of us. The people who vote and who determine how our government, our politics is going to work should be people who have some stake in the society. This is really basic stuff. The founding fathers, the framers of the Constitution all wrote about this. We've lost this idea in recent years as we've made an idol out of democracy, as we've made an idol out of the popular vote. There's a good role for democracy. There certainly can be in politics. There, there can be a role for popular voting, for representational democracy, aspects of direct democracy. There can be roles for all this stuff, but it's not the be all and end all, okay? It's not an idol that we should make. And if you open up the vote to everybody, if you let five-year-olds vote, that's probably not going to be very conducive to the flourishing of your republic. So there are always going to be limits here. And one of the limits that our the great men who built our country talked about, that Elon is recognizing here, is The people who determine how the government should be run ought to be people who have a real stake in things, who've got real skin in the game. Amazing that we're taking political lessons from Twitter now, but it's because Twitter's new management is a lot smarter than the old management and maybe the management of our current government. Now, other really great news. Uh, People might be asking why I'm wearing this puka shell necklace. Uh, This is because I'm a man of my word. I don't welch on bets. And we took a bet before the midterms about different shenanigans in the bet. I didn't completely lose, but I, I didn't totally win. And so as part of that, I had to wear a Puka Shell necklace, and I kind of like it actually. I think it's nothing it compliments me very, very well. Uh, certain other hosts at the Daily Wire are known to Welch on their bets, and some of their names actually sound a lot like that word. Okay, and some of their first names are Matthew. And some of them sometimes, when they lose football games, don't want to uh, fulfill their obligations and call me Sweet Daddy Knowles. Uh, But I have to give Matt credit where credit is due. On the backstage show, he did give me this as my Secret Santa. It is uh, viewer discretion advised, very disturbing. It's a a picture of uh, Sweet Daddy Knowles with my little sort of very luscious Sicilian lips on this image. Nice coiffed hair there, and it says Sweet Daddy Knowles" on there. Uh, this is not available in the merch shop. I believe this is the only uh, T-shirt of this kind that exists. And I'm glad that it exists. At least Walsh went halfway toward fulfilling his obligations and recognizing that I am a sweet, sweet daddy. The rest of the show continues now. Uh, today is not Music Monday, but we're making it Music Monday because you know I'm a pop maven. We're, I was on the road yesterday. It was a little tricky to do the member block. So uh, Ben Davies says that I am now going to complete the pop music trifecta. We have done T-Swift. We have done the Biebs. Now we are moving on to Ed Sheeran. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.